1: Interesting.
0: What is the most unrealistic thing you believe in?
2: <laughs> that is such a great, that's such a great question. Thank you. Karma.
1: Mm.
2: I like that. Karma. That every single thing which we've ever done, every single moment of our life, of all of our lifetimes has led to us being right here in this moment for a reason, that there's a reason for absolutely everything, and everything happens in absolute divine synchronization and interconnection. That's
0: a very, uh, that's, a much, that's a much more nuanced description of karma than I've typically heard it. It's usually karma, it usually sounds more like an eye for an eye type thing. Mm. Like if you do good, good will happen. If you do bad, bad will happen. Do you, is that also a part of it? For you? It's
2: also a part of it, but it might not be as obvious as, as we think, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Christians, uh, I love that word." God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> just because, I, de- just because I, de- I behave in a good way towards you, it doesn't mean you necessarily behave in a good way towards me, but maybe that karma comes back in another way much later on. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, and a lot of times it is lessons and what can this do for me? I know one t- when I first moved to uh, a, a city in America... I I told my mom, like, okay, in this chapter of my life, like, I am going to learn how to, like, recognize manipulation and not be so easily manipulated, and then immediately met a new best friend who was apparently a master of manipulation. Excellent. So perfect teacher, I Yes, it took me, you know, the usual, like, I'd say around six months, it took me meeting Trevor and him being like, um think there's some things you might want to look at and question and whatever and me being like oh and then, and then as I started to pay attention to more realizing and then my mom was like "Hun, you asked to learn how to not be so susceptible to manipulation how did you think this lesson was going to go down like of course it was handed to you on a silver platter you asked and you received mm-hmm. like, yeah, so this
2: nice. moment is our perfect teacher yeah I believe that yeah If you believe that everything is connected and everything's happened for a reason, that really is kind of a precondition to radically opening to the content of now, no matter what now Mm -hmm. is. Back to, how is this helping me?
0: You're so quotable. How is this helping,
2: how is this working for me? One of my clients, she taught me that. That's a great quote. She's like, whenever anything happens, I ask myself, she said, like, how, how is this working for me? It's like, great,
1: I'm stealing that, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a quote from me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if there was one behavior or action you could get everyone in the world to do or stop doing, what would it be? One behavior or action to get everyone to do.
2: To always always good to focus on the positive rather than the negative, you know. Back to hypnosis. To love each other. Simple answer, no? I think love is to accept the other person, to accept to accept the external condition, situation, person, no matter what it is. I can accept somebody exactly as they are, and then I can choose from a place of yes, how I want to like relate to them, right? Like if my wife turns up and she's like, look, I wanna have sex with this other guy over there, or I just had sex with this other guy over there, there's a big difference compared to saying, Okay, yes, this is reality, even in that pain. And then deciding, does that mean that does that mean that I need to leave that relationship? Does that mean we need to change agreements in the relationship? You know, what does it mean? So if we can love each other, if we can fundamentally accept other people exactly as they are, if we can give people the gift of radically accepting them. As so I said to somebody else recently, I said, you're not loving this person, you're fearing them. Mm. So many people try and change people in relationships fear. If we can all accept each other, then we can all help each other to feel like safe, and then everyone can help each other to grow and feel okay just as they are. Very well
0: said. What is the most annoying thing about people?
2: The most <laughs> annoying thing about people thinking they're right, <laughs> like judgment. I find it difficult when we see... We, we've we seen this actually happening recently here, when we see cultural ideas from one place kind of infiltrate another place, you know, but particularly against the lens of... I love America, guys, but some American political correctness that's really strongly been imposed onto Chiang Mai recently in various communities. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. I can see. Yeah. And, uh, yeah so it's like... I went, to, I, went to see a, I went to see a friend of mine recently. He's a restaurant owner and his mother used to, um, she was married to a very famous Hollywood record label owner in the 60s. Yeah. She's super cool, this woman. She's fully Thai, lived in California for years. And she said, the trouble with some people is they believe they're right. <laughs> that was such a good expression. So I find it very difficult when people are like, you know what, this is the way it is and I'm going to judge you against this. And you have to feel this, particularly if this is just, it's just an idea from one subset of one culture. And there's so many different ideas. And I think that no no culture, no religion, no belief system is right or wrong. I think they're just different ideas which have positives and negatives. So I think when somebody just holds their ideas like this fucking concrete thing that everyone should be
1: judged through. Yeah, I think that's. Even, like to smash it. Like it's even worse than just assuming <laughs> that you're right. It's then assuming that if other people don't know that you're right, that they are bad. Is yeah. it even worse. Like, it's, <laughs> oh god. And
0: that it's your duty to make sure everyone else knows that that person is bad and wrong. It's, right. it's really alarming. Intentionally phenomenon. violated you, and they are morally apprehensible
1: Yeah, and if they're not joining into this elaborate cause, that they're. Jesus, you guys are doing training in social media, haven't you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, and you've got to post about them online. We're seeing so much of this happening right now, you know. Like, judgment is, is just a perception. The human mind judges. Like, we cannot stop this. Like, the mind goes, yes, no, good, bad, you know. It does for everything. It divides things up. Pleasure, pain, want to have more time with those guys, want to have less time with those guys. The mind does this. It's the nature of mind, you know. But they're only just perceptions. So it's so interesting when we can share different ideas and we can share our experiences and learn from them in a way where we create the safety to listen to each other. And it's incredibly toxic with one person just like, you're wrong, you're this, I'm going to freeze you through this and attack you and tell you how you need to change. And that's happening a lot in the world, right?
1: And if you disagree, you're violating my safe space. Yeah, I don't feel safe, (laughs) so you need to change.
2: This trauma culture, this has come back at me recently a lot and stuff we've been dealing with in our community here. And I just called bullshit on it all. I was like, as the top trauma therapist in this city, one of the top in this country, I was like, using your trauma to try to change hundreds of people to change around you is complete, total bullshit.
1: Yeah.
2: Like... Mm -hmm. But to sh- but to share your trauma. Have you said this publicly? Oh yeah. What was nice. the reaction? Oh, I got very strongly attacked uh, on social uh, media. I can can sure even I. imagine? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just stood up and I was like, "Fuck off, guys. This is Thailand. Like, really. Uh-huh. This is a place. This is a place where we grow, and I help people to grow. I offered anybody affected by those trauma spaces free therapy. I said, "I'll offer you one session for free," and I suggested like community events where. Within the safety of community, people can share their experiences, because that's where there's healing. I'm like, I want to know the experiences of people around me. I want to understand the perceptions. I want to know why, if I say X, that somebody else might feel emotionally triggered by that. I want to understand why. I don't want to have this kind of like frozen language patterns put on me of all this stuff that's I'm not even going to say the words, but we know what we're talking about. And like, but I want, like rather than you're this, froze, freeze this, like all just pure examples of cult-like hypnosis that I've studied and recognized. Then, yeah. But I'm like, I want to know what your feeling is. I want to know what your heart is. I want to hear that. I want to provide the safety to hear your experience without trying to change you. And I want to understand the experience of your life and provide safe space because that's
1: where we can understand each other more. That's it's love rather than fear. Well, I'd like to personally thank and commend you for uh, voicing that <laughs> yeah. publicly and, and dealing with the <laughs> I'm so sure well crap that came from it. <laughs> I'm sure it was <laughs> unpleasant. Some crazy social media backlash. Uh,
0: Have you uh, read or heard anything from Jonathan Haidt?
2: No, I think somebody sent me a podcast from them.
1: So.
0: yeah, you should. I uh, definitely recommend yeah listening to a podcast by him. He's a professor at NYU, and mm. he is like the foremost researcher into yeah a kind of safe space culture mm. and uh, you know catering to the most sensitive person in the room and all of this stuff and, and mm. you know, Gen-, Gen Z in general. And uh, yeah, he's, he's a lot of very interesting. Thanks. It's very, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear all of that from, you know, kind of a more scientific standpoint of mm. or why it's happening, mm. where it's coming from, from like an anthropological, sociological, and psychological wow. approach. Mm. Um, but also we just, uh, we just spent the month of August. I recorded like an audiobook Um, not, a, not of something I wrote, uh, this, um, blog called wait, but why they did, uh, the whole, a long series on the story of us that t- it's called the story of us that touches on all of this we were asked to take it down by the author but he's gonna come do an interview on the podcast as a an exchange. but um Super you should excited about it. yeah which is very exciting but yeah i yeah, really highly recommend that it's long but amazing and it touches again he takes a deep deep dive researching from like the fundamental literally fundamental from like atoms and genes level of to how we got to this place of safe space culture. You can't, and like, echo chambers and I- versus idea labs, and mm. confirmation bias, and all, all of these, and how media plays into this. All of this stuff, yeah, it's so
1: interesting. It's sort of holding all this whole hierarchy of how we got here, and looking at so it from so many different angles. Yeah, and it really it paints a very complete picture of Uh, This really complex situation we've gotten into here.
2: (laughs) I don't think every space... I mean, I think it's important for people to have safe spaces. I think it's really important for the people to have the safety to be able to share how they feel and what they experience. But I don't think that every single space in the world has to be made safe for every single person.
0: Also, for me, it doesn't feel safe for it to be that everyone around me needs to agree with me or else they are not allowed to talk or like for that to be put onto me that if I don't that if I'm not allowed to talk or share or relate to or ask questions unless I'm already on the same conclusion that you're at before we start talking that's absurd
1: yeah cult like
2: we had a so many things have been attacked here recently through these kind of ideas Last week it was a friend's business, and I reached out to him, and I was like, "Mate, what country do you run your business?" in? And I say, like, not everybody has to be like feeling safe with the topic of your of your of your talk thing. You know, it's like, but yeah, I think we should be looking for more inclusivity and understanding. And at any moment, for one person to understand another, there has to be a, there has to be at least a kind of mutual safety. Absolutely. Because if I'm feeling bad about something, and this other person doesn't actually understand because they have a, just a different experience. And I start off by screaming at them
1: Yeah.
2: before I try to explain what I'm feeling. Well, this person's already shut down now. You don't, you don't start teaching children by screaming at them and scaring the shit out of them, right? Absolutely. And I've seen that happening a lot on social media recently. And it's not useful. It just ends up polarizing people more. Absolutely. You know?
1: Hmm. I feel like that's a good segue into our next question, which is what is something that is really popular now, but in five years everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by? Oh, something that's really popular now, but you yeah. Gareth Bale
2: playing for Spurs. I
0: don't know what any of those words are. <laughs> <laughs> is that a sports or a music? <laughs> <Yeah>, Ice football. <laughs>
2: something that's really popular now, but in five years... Mm, I passed that question. <laughs> okay,
0: fair enough. What is your favorite thing about yourself?
2: My favourite thing about myself... Well, that's a difficult question. Um, the fact that I never give up. That's good. Like, working on some online stories now, which I've made ridiculously far too complicated and too long and every single step of the way. And that's okay, I just continue and <laughs> learn, you know. I, um, I love the fundamental belief that I was blessed to be programmed with as a kid, which I was told, you can learn anything you like. And I was also told, it's okay if you learn slower than other people around you. So as a kid, I would study a lot longer than other people and some stuff, but I would always study until I was kind of top. So just, the, just, just for just for knowing that I can study anything and don't give up. And the patience to keep going. Even if I piss myself off <laughs> with it as well at the same time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm so
0: fascinated by you know what's going on psychologically with resilience and, and perseverance is such an, such an interesting concept.
2: I think when it's held up against a certain value system like I have a really really clear dream in my mind to figure out like my main passion of therapy now has become relationships and trauma because I want to help extinguish generational trauma in the planet and um, so helping, you know, people to have healthy relationships and kids to be brought up with, like, loving parents and people to understand their emotions. So, so, so my biggest vision is to do that in the online space around, like, relationship therapy, relationship coaching, teaching people how to reconnect with their partners and forgive their parents and release old relationships and all the different steps involved. And I just see just doing some stuff that influences a lot more people than just, you know, like kind of one session at a time. I've been doing for the last 20 years. I feel like it's time
1: to make the transition. That's awesome. What is your most embarrassing story from childhood?
2: Most embarrassing story from childhood? Hmm. Breaking my nose, saving a penalty, playing football. That sounds heroic.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm not going going to the doctor afterwards. (laughs) Broken nose.
0: (laughs) You get an awesome story where you sound like a badass. (laughs) (laughs) Like
2: other embarrassing stories, wetting the bed until I was 13 years old, uh-huh. um, because I was like really anxious, and I, I just felt really anxious as a child, and it um, took me years, only in my therapy training I realised that I believed I was responsible for my parents' divorce. Uh-huh. Um, something my dad had said to me one day when he was in a moment of extreme pain, I can like see the image in my mind. So I had a lot of anxiety as a kid, I was bullied at school, I um, was sent to this exclusive English boarding school. I was so anxious I couldn't talk. I couldn't say my own name. Went to bed until I was 13. Until I learned hypnosis. Wow. Wow. Mm, taught myself how to talk when I was 13 years old.
0: Had you been able to talk when you were younger and it went away?
2: Good question. I think so, yeah. I think it got worse over time. Mm, wow. I think so. And when I, always when I learned other languages, because we learned French and when we were eight in school. Never started in other languages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only in English. That's yes. fascinating. So teaching myself how to talk made quite a difference in my life and made me very passionate about hypnosis. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. a... That's nice a better thought. story than Saving the, saving the Pen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a very good story. What is the book that has most influenced your life?
2: oh jesus christ that is a difficult question you can list a couple unfair question this
0: is always just looking for our book list we read the five four agreements because it was the number one recommended thing from guests on our podcast
2: okay interesting there's a lot of consistency
0: in, in this answer it's interesting
2: i found a book when i was 13 i was walking down the street still started living boarding in this top english boarding school and i felt like I just felt like something stopped me, like a, like a magical hand like grabbed me here from my chest. And I really felt like I was pulled into this bookshop. You could say, it's, actually I guess it's my first spiritual experience. I've had quite a few sentences. But, but I was literally pulled into this bookshop and walked straight across and pulled out this book from the top shelf. I can see it right now. And it was from the early 1900s, second-hand section, called Hypnotism and the Power Within. Uh, mm. And the back pages were the handwritten notes from a hypnotherapist's casebook in London. Whoa. Giving the summation of his whole career. And that was the first book I found on hypnosis when I was 13. It's here in my clinic in Chiang Mai now. It amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's a great story. It's definitely my most important book. But other books that are really important, The Power of Now, of course. That's, that's one of the ones. The Celestine Prophecy. I was, blessed to, I was blessed to actually be at the premiere of the movie. i met James Redfield, The Celestine Prophecy is incredible, Conversations with God, I was blessed to spend some time with Neil Donald Walsh as well, I've been quite lucky in my life, met him, spent some time with him, almost did hypnosis with his books for him actually, yeah those books are quite interesting, particularly the first Conversations with God book is really interesting, opens up some different perspectives, Um, Byron Katie's books are great, Loving What Is, Really great self-therapy, Byron and Katie, it really helps to bring, develop the awareness about how we can influence our emotions through working with our minds.
1: What life practices do you do to keep yourself sane and balanced?
2: Football and whiskey.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Most mornings I stretch, do some yoga and, and some meditation. Um, energetic, pro- energetic self-protection practices. Um, just creating balance in life, right? We have, I think we have all these different relationships in our life. And I think it begins with understanding all the relationships we have inside of us. So how do I relate to the different aspects of, of my personality, right? My, my relationship life, my professional life, my social life, my, my time by myself, my relationships with my parents or with my sister. Like figuring out how to how to balance all these relationships inside. So a big part of that for me actually comes down to scheduling. Including once a week, having some time, which is just like alone time. Every Sunday, my partner and I, we set Sunday as the Sunday flow day. Never allowed to schedule anything without the other one's permission. Just scheduling, leaving time that's not scheduled, leaving time to be by myself having time for like date nights, having time to see like friends, like just creating balance between different stuff. I think that itself is such an important practice. Tony Robbins said something about I saw on Facebook, I don't remember this quote, but something about, you know, if you talk about it it's like a vague possibility if you schedule it. If you schedule it's a reality or something like that. Talk about it as a possibility if you schedule it to reality. It's so true, right? Like, if you go out, we, we want to go and whatever, go on this beach holiday, you, you put it on the schedule, then you start working towards it. Yeah. yeah. You've already taken the time off work, you know? So, yeah. Life balance between different relationships inside before working on relationships outside. Mm. Nice.
0: Very well said. What is the most environmentally friendly thing you do and the main environmentally friendly thing you want others to do?
2: Hmm... Used water bottle instead of plastic bottles. Try and order, order food from businesses that actually, you know, like, use, like, recyclable containers. Also in Thailand, it's terrible when there's hot food in the plastic bags. It's incredibly unhealthy.
1: Yeah, it yeah, really freaks me out. It's not good at all. You'd never get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I mean... Yeah. When we lived in Pai, we
0: would always... Well, there was no grab or anything, so the only time we got takeout was, like, our one normal Thai food place, and every time it would just be, I would drive our glass containers there, give it to them, go run another errand, pick pick it back up. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: great. Uh, We have some metal food containers. mm -hmm. Our last and final question,
1: why do people do small talk?
2: Often because they are anxious. I think people will talk use small talk as a way to to kind of bridge like to like get to talk about something but feeling too anxious to really share something that that can create genuine connection you know some people just enjoy like talking about basic stuff as well you know the kind of small talk hooks like in England it's like you know soap operas or sports probably the same most places you know. But it's normally, I find more anxious people like to engage in small talk more. And people who are more connected with themselves, generally, I think underneath emotion comes in a connection. Normally want to talk about stuff of more substance and meaning.
0: Well, but are there any things that you would like to tell our listeners to go check out or do or
2: any other, any final words? So uh, you can go to my website, practicalhealing.com. With a hyphen. With a hyphen, practical-healing com. Um, I'm just about to release a, a free webinar called "How to Heal Depression and Overcome Anxiety Without Spending Thousands of Dollars and Years of Your Life in Therapy." Wow. I basically begin by teaching the secrets of EI, emotional intelligence. So. That will be on my website. Well, it probably is by the time you guys actually post this podcast.
0: This has gone up on Thursday. Okay, perfect.
2: I'll get it online before Thursday then. (laughs) Practical-Healing.com. You can sign up for the free web class there. I'll be building out more content on my site, just teaching people about emotional education and building the YouTube channel as well. Practical Healing for you, I think. All at my website.
0: Nice. Excellent. Mm. Awesome. Well, thank you so so much for coming out today. Pleasure. It was a yes. wonderful
2: yes. pleasure to yes. talk to you. Great to talk to you guys too.